This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, May 26th, 2019. Encore, awestruck. Good morning, Connection Church. Yeah, they're not, now they want a concert. They want, uh, they want Van Halen up here. Today we conclude our series uh, called Encore as we have been asking and continue to ask the question, what does Jesus do for an encore after living the perfect life, dying a tragic death, resurrecting from the grave and ascending to heaven? We've been answering that question by looking closely at the early chapters of the book of Acts, the fifth book of the New Testament and second part of the Bible. Today our focus is on what it means to be awestruck by Jesus. Well, good morning again, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Again, we want to welcome those of you who are joining us on Facebook Live as well. Would you pray with us, please? Almighty God, we thank you so much for today. It's no accident that any one of us are here. Settle us in that we might be changed and transformed by your word found in scripture. Holy Spirit, dig deep into our hearts so that we would leave a bit differently than when we came in. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said, Amen. Amen. Awestruck, filled with awe, filled with wonder, filled with amazement. Astonished, astounded, bowled over, dumbfounded, flabbergasted, shocked, stunned, stupefied, thunderstruck, knocked out, knocked over, so to speak, awestruck. So have you ever been there? Have you ever been awestruck? I confess I am a concert everything. I go, I love going to concerts, like to see Springsteen or... My cousin and I, we go, we've seen Jackson Brown. We've gone 11 times back when he was big. Um, I love seeing uh, people like half Chicago. Have, I know you don't, don't even know who Jackson I'm talking Brown about. Is. Luke Bryan, <laughs> Carrie Underwood. Now you're yeah, getting a more Oh, yeah, current. now I'm talking your language. More current now. Yeah. I confess I'm a little awestruck by some of these musicians and the people on the stage and I just like, oh my goodness, I am such a big fan. But I want to tell you what really really strikes me. More than anything in the world, it's what God can do. You've heard me talk about our grandson, Nolan. Nolan was born with a life-threatening situation where things were not connected. He would not have lived without the surgery that he had at just two days old. Mm. And the miracle of Nolan is that they told Devin and TC, our daughter and son-in-law, that he would be up at AI for months, that he would be on a respirator, that he would go through an awful lot, and that there could be a lot of other things wrong, a lot of other anomalies. Can you see that little scar? It's kind of not little. It's a big scar on his little body right there. Well, we're here to tell you that God did a miracle because he was only in the hospital for 11 days. He was never on a breathing machine, and there's nothing wrong with him. And so there's Nolan. (laughs) Now, this is kind of funny because his dad is like, really, there's nothing wrong with him? (laughs) 
<laughs> that was Nolan and I. Chase him around for two days. Yeah. <laughs> we were at Harper's game, his sister's game on Friday night. And I don't know. They all melt my heart. And um, that just reminds me of what God does. And I am more awestruck by God's miracles. Like, how about getting us up, here, up and giving us life and breath even today? We should be awestruck by that. Even by simple things, not just the big things. Awestruck. Awestruck. In the ninth chapter of the book of Acts, we read of someone who was awestruck by Jesus. I mean, he was awestruck in any way you can be struck by awe. He was physically awestruck. He was emotionally awestruck. He was spiritually awestruck. He, he was awestruck. His, his name is, is Saul. Now, this isn't the Saul back in David's time, Old Testament. This is New Testament Saul. In order to fully appreciate that, what happens to Saul in chapter 9 of Acts, we've got to go back a little bit. We've got to go back to the end of chapter 7, beginning of chapter 8, to some ground that was actually covered by our brother uh, Mike Osmond last week, wonderfully shared the Thank message. Thank you so much, Thank Mike. You. The irony, as I said to Mike, it's ironic, we, we watch it on Carrie's little phone, and I, could, I, I was having trouble, wasn't that very loud, but actually we're sitting outside our son-in-law and daughter's church. We'd already been to worship. We've been to worship there, but we're sitting out on, on the wall outside that church. Everybody's going to church while we're listening to the service here. <laughs> A little ironic there. Anyway, so last week Mike was talking about, about being sold out, right? And, and, and he, his focus was, was on a guy named Stephen who was sold out, so sold out that even while he's being stoned to death in the name of Jesus Christ, he was faith-filled and grace-filled. Check out his final words. While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he knelt down, and I, this is hard to believe, but he cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Whoa. And when he had said this, he died. So it's important to take a look at what comes before and what comes after the scripture that we <coughs> take a look at each Sunday to give us the context. So we're going to look before and after. Before this scripture, it says, Then they dragged him, Stephen, out of the city and began to stone him. And witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named what? Saul. And then we have the scripture that Alan read. And then we read, And Saul approved of their killing. That day, a severe persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the countryside of Judea and Samaria. Devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentation over him. Here's the thing to really hear. But Saul was ravaging the church by entering house after house, dragging both men and women. He committed them to prison. So you see that right there in the midst of the stoning of Stephen that talked about last week. We see this guy Saul, and he's named three times. This is our first uh, introduction to Saul. We don't read about him before now. And the first thing we read about is this in the midst of this stoning. Nobody else other than Stephen, the one being stoned, is mentioned by name here, are they? Now, just this guy Saul. 
It's our intro. And from what we see here, he appears not to be only uh, just on some level of importance, but he also appears to not like Jesus very much or those who do. So who is this guy? Who is Saul? Saul was his Hebrew name. He was also a Roman citizen, and we know him as Paul. His Latin name is Paulus, so that's what Saul Paul. He came from Tarsus, which is located in south-central Turkey, Turkey, one of the largest uh, centers on the Mediterranean coast. And it was like uh, an influential city in Asia Minor at the time. Saul was from a devout Jewish family. He was educated in Jerusalem. He went to a school, the school of Jamal, which was one of the most notable rabbis in history, taught him. He was a Pharisee. He was the son of a Pharisee. A Pharisee is the ancient Jewish, Jewish sect that strictly observed the traditional and written laws. Remember, this is how Jesus really got in trouble in, in a lot of ways where he was uh, forgetting the laws and healing the blind on the Sabbath. You know, that's, it really upset these religious Pharisees. The Pharisees often felt superior to everyone else. And so as a result of Saul's background and education and influence, he was dedicated, dedicated, that's a big word, dedicated to persecuting the early disciples, not just the 12, but any follower of Jesus around the Jerusalem area. And so that brings us back to Saul overseeing the stoning of Stephen, encouraging the stoning of Stephen, approving of the stoning of Stephen, and then going house to house, hunting down Jesus' followers and sending them to prison. And so if you were a Jesus follower at that time, you knew who this Saul guy was, and he wasn't someone you wanted to have anything to do with. You wanted to avoid, you wanted to run a wide circle around Saul. He was tough. He was unflinching and relentless in carrying out his goal of eradicating all followers of Jesus Christ. Chapter 8 of the book of Acts goes on to talk about how those who scattered went from place to place proclaiming the word of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and now we come to the point in scripture where we're going to land. We're looking at chapter 9. In the book of Acts, if you have your Bible, we're starting at verse 1, and we're going to go through a whole bunch of verses in Acts chapter 9. Check it out. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats of murder against the disciples of Christ, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He, he fell to the ground. He heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he asked, who are you, Lord? And the reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice <clears throat> But Saul, no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were opened, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days 
he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Hello. Talk about awestruck. <laughs> Here's Saul. He's on his way. He's got papers in hand. He's ready to do business. He's ready to do business. He's got the authority to get those Jesus followers out and take them to prison. He's, got, he's ready. And then bang, knocked down right in the middle of the road, blinded by the light. Blinded by the light. No. Sorry. See how I held All that struck. for her? Huh? Blinded by the light. Oh, yeah. Struck down the middle of the road <coughs> by the awesomeness of Jesus Christ. And then he gets to hear the voice of the very one he set out to discredit and whose followers he's been persecuting. <laughs> I love how God operates. Jesus tells him to get up and enter the city and he'd be told what to do. Ironic, isn't it? This man who has diligently been calling the shots, ready to take control in this city of Damascus, pulling out the Christ followers in order to send them to jail, is now he's being told what to do, being told that he will be told what to do. In other words, to simplify and boil that all down, the once powerful, check that out, once powerful Saul has been awestruck by the all-powerful Jesus Christ. The once powerful Saul has been struck down by the all-powerful Jesus Christ. It doesn't get any better than that, does it? I love it. <laughs> this is awesome. And so this, I have to warn you, this on fire, and this is an Alanism here, this on fire devangelist, get that, he's not an evangelist, he's a devangelist, with the help of his posse, <coughs> goes into town and sits there blind for three days. No food, no drink, waiting to be told what he can do next. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Picking it up at verse 10. Now, there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, watch out when your name gets called. He answered, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment he is praying and has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. I mean, can you just hear the tremor in his voice? I can. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before the Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Amen. Maybe you've been there before. <laughs> I know I have a time or two. You know, where the Lord encourages you, nudges you, tells you to do something that you'd just rather not do. Any amens on that? Yeah, I thought I wasn't alone. Maybe it involves someone that you don't particularly care for. Thanks, Lord. Perhaps it involves a situation you'd rather not get involved with. Maybe it's something you're afraid of. 
for one reason or another. And so you try to avoid it. Get out of it. Reason with God that it just isn't for you. How many reasonings with God have we had that worked out to what you thought it should be? Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. God listens. God listens. It's not, we say, well, God didn't hear. Oh, yeah, God heard you. Oftentimes, he just might say, no, <laughs> or wait, or later, or not at this time. See, the, the challenge for us is God knows a whole lot more than we do, doesn't he? And God knows what's best for us and those around us. And so sometimes we plead, and God says, not this time. You know, you've got to feel for Ananias here. I mean, what a situation he was in. This guy, Saul, I mean, he's a bad guy. And followers of Jesus just wanted to avoid him. They probably wished that he would stay blind so that he couldn't find him. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Ananias said he's done evil. I mean, evil's a strong word. He's done evil to the Lord's saints in Jerusalem. And the Lord now wants Ananias to play nice with him, to go and lay hands on him. Oh, my goodness. Well, the Lord does tell Ananias to go because Saul is the chosen one, the one who God has chosen to share the name of Jesus, to make all those journeys, all those missionary journeys that he made to share the name of Jesus to Jews and non-Jews alike, including kings. So he went way high up. And not only that, the Lord will show, according to Scripture, and we see it, that Saul must suffer for the sake of Jesus Christ. You know, one of the biggest challenges of being a Christ follower is you're never promised that this Jesus business is going to be easy. You can't find in the scripture where Jesus said, it's going to be easy. He doesn't say it. You can't find it. In fact, more often than not, it's just the opposite. In fact, I think a couple weeks ago we talked about, he said, you'll die, you'll, you'll, you'll die for me. It's countercultural yeah, counter being a follower of Christ. And so just, 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 like, just like for Saul. God said, I'm going to show him how much he will suffer. Wow. There will be suffering. And in Saul's case, there was a lot of suffering when you read through the scriptures and what he encountered. Shipwrecks, jail time, beatings. The list goes on. Jesus never promises that life is going to be easier when we follow him. But he does tell us it's going to be better going to be better. Does he's going to give us life to the full? <laughs> of course, there was a Christian comedian a few years ago who said, this is life, right? It's got ups and downs, and this is life to the full. <laughs> it was Paul that said later on, this Saul, whose name also is Paul, later on says that, that, that it will be a new person in him. New person, better person. And in spite of the challenges, this new life is going to be so much better than the old one. Challenges and all. 
So Ananias, he is less than trusting and more than scared and really not wanting to go along with this plan that God has set out before him. But the Lord tells Ananias to trust him that Saul is the chosen one. And we're reminded here of some of the people in the past that God has chosen, baggage that they were carrying. Check this out. Moses was a murderer. David was an adulterer. Gideon was a wimp. Rahab was a prostitute. Jacob was a conniver. Peter denied even knowing Christ, not once, not twice, but three times. And Thomas, he doubted what Jesus told him. Bible's filled with characters, isn't it? Bible is filled with characters and characters that God chooses to do God's work. <laughs> in spite of, and sometimes it's because of, their sketchy pasts. Because God can use that sketchy past for a great future. And as a result, we're reminded over and over and over again that with God, all things are possible. <laughs> we're reminded over and over again that God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. He equips, say it with me, he equips the called. We're reminded once more that if God can use somebody like that, maybe, just maybe, he can use somebody like me. Just like me. Maybe somebody like you. Somebody just like you. Wow. Wow. In spite of your shortcomings... In spite of your failures, in spite of your bad choices, in spite of all the stuff you've ever done that you ain't so proud of, me too, in spite of all that, we're reminded that God can even use someone just like us. Amen? Amen. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell off his eyes and his sight was restored and he got up and he was baptized. Baptism is a public symbol uh, that we proclaim Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And that's what he did. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. And so Ananias faithfully and fearlessly followed the Lord's instruction, dot, 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 eventually. <laughs> eventually. And the scripture continues to say that Saul proclaimed Jesus' name in the very houses of worship, that he was on a mission to make Jesus free, that they would never utter the word, the name of Jesus. And the more Saul preached, 
that Jesus was the Messiah. Remember, the Jews were waiting for the Messiah. And, Jesus, and Paul was saying, or Saul, Paul was saying, he is the Messiah. The more powerful his words became, and it wasn't Saul's words, it was the Holy Spirit through Saul. It could not be stopped. Jesus, the word of God, cannot be shut down. And we see this here, and that is true today. Jesus, the name of Jesus, cannot be shut down. And it's up to every one of us to make sure that we have Jesus on our lips, ready to proclaim what he's done for each one of us. And he has done something for every one of us in this place. Every one of us. And so now we have Saul. He's on the other side of the conspiracy. People want to kill him because he was now preaching. And there's examples where he narrowly escapes this and that. Don't you just love the way God operates? I mean, from cover to cover in Scripture, we just see that God is omniscient, all-powerful, incredible. He's Lord. He's Lord. So Saul, who we also know as Paul, went on to share this message of Jesus throughout the Mediterranean area, from Jerusalem to Rome and points in between, including Greece, Macedonia, Asia Minor, Syria, Crete. Many of the epistles, that's a clever word for letters, kind of a Bible word for letters, that we find in the New Testament, in fact, probably the majority are his. Again, under his Latin name, Paul. He was truly the instrument that Jesus used at that time to bring the name of Jesus to the Gentiles and to kings and before the people of Israel. And that instrument continues to be heard today through these same writings. In fact, I just quoted one earlier from, uh, uh, I think, 2 Corinthians when I said, uh, we're a new creation. That's, that's, one of, that's a Paulism. Continues today through these writings. It's through these writings of Paul, through Saul, through that we have a better understanding of who Jesus was, what he did, and who he continues to be. His, his writings help us to understand just how awesome Jesus is and gives us a model when we too are awestruck by the ongoing encore of Jesus Christ. Saul is a model of discipleship, living a life devoted to Jesus Christ. He's a model of evangelism, sharing the good news of new life in Christ, reminding us that he sacrificed his life, died for our sins, but then resurrected, proving that death does not have the last word. Amen? Amen. That Jesus ascended to heaven to sit at the right hand of God the Father Almighty and continues today and through eternity. There for us, forever and always. Question today, are you awestruck 
by Jesus Christ. Do you have a sense of awe? Are you like knocked down by who Jesus is, what he does, and what he means to your life? I mean, sometimes it's real easy to kind of just take this whole thing for granted, isn't it? Especially if you've been walking with Jesus for a while. It's easy to kind of get into that groove becomes a rut. Are you awestruck by Jesus? Have you thought about just how awesome, how awe-inspiring he is? Part of the problem is I think we, we use that word awesome for some things maybe that aren't quite so awesome. And maybe we need to reserve it for things like Jesus Christ, who is truly awesome, awe-inspiring, full of all. It used to be awful, <laughs> full of all. We kind of switched that word now, but. And maybe you're sitting here going, I have no idea what you're talking about, Alan. I mean, I've heard Jesus, but this whole all thing, I, I don't know. Well, maybe you're here because Jesus is trying to get your attention this morning. Maybe he's not going to knock you down and blind you for three days. On, on the other hand, I wouldn't put it past him if he, you know, he'll do what it takes. <laughs> on the other hand, maybe he's just trying to give you a nudge today. Maybe a little elbow to the rib. Just a little nudge. Maybe a calling you, encouraging you to maybe open yourself up to a possibility of a personal relationship with him. Maybe today is the day that you say, you know what? I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I can't save myself from what I hear. Maybe today is to recognize that Jesus is the one to save you and to go to him and say, I need you. I need you. I need your awesome self to save my life. Steps are open. God loves it when we're on our knees to him. You can pray from your seat. And a lot of people found salvation right in the seats right there. Of course, got a couple people in the back there ready to pray with you if you'd like. And I know these guys, they would love to walk you through how to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ to open your life up and to say, here I am, I need you. Yeah. Today is the day to celebrate the good news of the awesome Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's believe it. Let's live it. Let's pray. Let's pray. Holy God, wow. This Saul guy, whew, what a challenge, but... Boy, how you used him for your glory. Lord, please help us to, to look at him as a model for how we might be more um, daring, more open to the possibilities, more willing to risk for you, realizing that there might be challenge, there might be even some pain and struggle, but life in you is the absolute best life there is, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. On this Memorial Day, we remember what you did for us, that you died to give us life. Please help us to realize that each and every day. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we praise you, glorify. And all Connection Church said, amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. 
For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.